Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jared Bumpers, Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. David King to the podcast. David is a graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and currently serves as a senior pastor of Concord Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's the author of Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved, a handbook for preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Dr. King, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you so much, Jared. Glad to be with you. Yeah, excited to have you join us. Before we jump in, I want to discuss your, your, your new book, Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved. But before we do that, would love to hear from you. If you could give us an update on your family and your ministry context, love to hear how you're doing there. Yeah, so I am married to Natalie. We've been married 30 years this summer. I thank God for her. She's a huge point of God's grace in my life. And God has given us three children. Casey's 23, Ethan's 15, Amelia's 12. And they're a ton of fun. They keep us busy in good ways. The church, Concord, that I pastor is an awesome church family. I've been here 22 years, and we're a regional church. We are intergenerational. We've got all the different age groups represented, and there's been this real family feel over the years that has been encouraging. I thank God for this church. Man, pr- praise the Lord for your faithfulness there. Amazing 22 years of marriage, three, three children, faithfully serving a local church there for over two decades. That's somewhat unique. Uh, oftentimes you hear of pastors who don't stay at places very long and can't remember the, the latest statistics on the tenure of a, a senior pastor, but it's certainly not 22 years on average. And so uh, thank you, brother, for your faithfulness there. Oh, yeah. God's been gracious. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss a model from Preaching Christ from the Old Testament. You've written about this. And so as we were talking before the podcast started, you you noted that a lot of guys are convinced that they should preach from the Old Testament and they should preach Christ from the Old Testament. So we we do want to spend the bulk of our time talking about the how of preaching Christ from the Old Testament. So I want to talk methodology, but I do think it's fair for us briefly just to discuss why a preacher should preach the Old Testament and why they should preach Christ for the Old Testament. So let's assume that someone's listening to our podcast, they're preaching regularly, but but they're not convinced of the importance of, of preaching the Old Testament or convinced of the importance of preaching Christ from the Old Testament. So we'd love to hear you kind of tackle those two questions. Why preach the Old Testament and why preach Christ from the Old Testament? Yeah, so why preach from the Old Testament? I think the simple and straightforward answer is because it's the Word of God. Hmm. And I know everybody's going to be familiar with what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. He was talking about the sacred writings. He was talking about all Scripture. And of course, the primary writings and Scripture he had in mind is what we would call the Old Testament. Right. And yet what he's telling Timothy, this Christian church worker— is that the sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's not a way that we commonly think about the Old Testament, but that's how Paul the Apostle thought about the Old Testament. You know, the scriptures of the Old Testament, if we interpret them correctly, make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, of course, to say that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, he's not talking about the man of God being complete as a Jewish believer. He's talking about the man of God being complete as a Christian believer. Of course, you know, a lot of believers in the first century were Jewish background, but Paul's talking about equipping us for life in Christ, and that's what the function of the Old Testament scriptures is. 
So, yes, preachers should preach from the Old Testament because it's the Word of God, and we should preach Christ from the Old Testament because that's how the Word of God is designed. It's designed to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I know we're moving kind of rapidly through this part of our interview, but I do want to mention one other passage of Scripture that has been hugely significant in my own pastoral ministry. It comes in John chapter 5 where Jesus is being challenged, as he often was through his ministry, by the religious leaders, and he challenges them with this word about the scriptures. This is John 5, 39 and 40. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That passage has just grabbed a hold of me for many years now, as I think about what Jesus is actually saying here, there is a way Jesus is saying that those religious leaders who knew the Old Testament so well, I'm sure they knew the the facts and details of it far better than I do, but they were reading the Old Testament in a way that was still leaving them lost. They were still on the road to damnation. And the reason is because Jesus said, you weren't reading them in a way that they were designed to be read. The scriptures are meant to point to salvation in Christ, in Jesus. And so we've got to understand the Old Testament that way. You know, as Christian pastors, we've got to be able to pick up any part of the Old Testament and understand how Christ is relevant to what has been communicated in the scriptures right there. Yeah, praise the Lord. Luke 24 is a similar passage for me, and I'm sure it factors into to your work as well. But the disciples, two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus are walking, and they're, they're lamenting that Jesus, they think he's, he was the Messiah, and he, they're lamenting that he's passed away. And he, he tells them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then where does he go? He goes to the Old Testament, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so it wasn't just the, the religious leaders, it was the disciples as well. Yeah. And then, of course, later on in chapter 24 in the upper room, he's he's explaining to them, that, you know, the Messiah to first suffer and enter his glory. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached to the end of the earth. And so, again, he's teaching them how to read the Bible in a Christ-centered or Christocentric way. And so, yeah, I think that's such a helpful framework for us to understand. Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. He's teaching the religious leaders that the scriptures are about him. So, yes, that's yes if you're listening, man, be, be convinced that the Old Testament is pointing towards Christ. And so uh, we want to preach the Old Testament as Christians. Well, want to mention real quick before we move into method here, if you're thinking about preaching the Old Testament, what are some things that preachers should be thinking about as they decide what Old Testament text or books to preach, and then how do they interpret those books? Maybe some suggestions there for them. Well, as a pastor, I would say, of course, you're going to be in prayer as you're selecting text to preach to your congregation. You want to consider the life of your church, things that are going on within your people and how the culture you see bearing on your people, and all those things are important. But when you come to the Old Testament itself, I mean, one of the things that I think about as I select text is what haven't I covered? Hmm. Because I want to preach the whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. I want to preach from the law, the writings, you know, the three major sections of the Hebrew scriptures. What haven't I covered? Well, that might be an indicator I should go to that section of the Old Testament as I narrow my focus on what to preach. Other things that I consider are different types of literature in the Old Testament, genre sometimes we call it. 
You know, have I preached Old Testament narratives or stories in a while? Or have I been in poetry? Like most of the prophets are poetic. You know, have I preached the prophetic or poetic sections of scripture? Or what about, you know, the law code? And there's all the different types of literature in the Old Testament. And I like to preach from a variety of types of literature. So those would be factors that I would consider. And then probably most specifically, I would say you want to preach an entire literary unit Hmm. when you pick a text. You know, you don't want to just pick a random verse here or there and not look at it within its context. You want to look at like how that that passage or portion of scripture that you're taking up to preach fits within its surrounding context and make sure you've got a whole thought there that you're going to deal with in light of the book within which you find it. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Thank you. Well, I want to move, I mentioned this earlier, but I want to move to how to preach Christ in the Old Testament. Maybe maybe our listeners are convinced, or maybe you've, we've, you've just convinced them that they should uh, preach Christ in the Old Testament. So how should they preach Christ in the Old Testament? I think it's important for us to commit to preaching Christ, but you mentioned this in your book, and obviously want to encourage our listeners to, to pick up a copy after listening to, the, to this interview. Dr. King's not going to be able to cover everything in the book, but as they think about how to preach Christ, there are illegitimate ways to move from the text to Christ. And so we want to avoid those. But in your book, you give six categories for preaching Christ in the Old Testament. So I would love for you, for the majority of the time that we have left, to walk through each of those categories and and how they relate to preaching Christ in the Old Testament. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. And Jared, please feel free to jump in at any point. I think that would be helpful if you did. But In my book, I talk about three big steps. I'm just backing up before I get into the six ways that Christ fulfills the Old Testament. Three big steps to think about as you're interpreting an Old Testament passage. Step one is the text. You really want to understand the main point of the passage in its Old Testament context. And this is what we call exegesis. You know, we want to read that text thoroughly, observe details of the text, understand the context, get some outside help if we need some outside help from commentaries and such. And of course, do all this prayerfully. We want to get at the main point of the passage in its Old Testament context. But then we need to go to step two, and that is Christ. We don't want to just go from exegesis within its Old Testament context and then try to make application to our lives. You know, if the scripture is pointing to Jesus, if we understand it in light of Jesus, We've got to do some theological reflection on our text in light of Christ. So that's where these six categories come from that you just mentioned. There are, as far as I can tell, six ways that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament scriptures. First way that I would mention is probably the most obvious way. It's prophetic promises. So most pastors, I think, understand this way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. You're coming across a prophecy or a redemptive promise in the Old Testament, and it lifts up your eyes to the horizon of the cross and resurrection. Like you can pretty quickly see, oh, this was foretelling Jesus, something about his person and work. And this is probably the easiest way that we see Christ fulfilling the Old Testament. You know, some examples of this would be Genesis 3.15, that first redemptive promise that we have, Mm -hmm. that the offspring of woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Of course, we know who that offspring is, and, you know, it would be easy to preach Christ from Genesis 3.15. We ought to preach Christ from Genesis 3.15. Absolutely. Or or the covenant that 
God makes with David to put an offspring on his throne forever, which we understand that to be fulfilled in Jesus. You know, the famous suffering servant passage, Isaiah 53, you know, the son of man passage in Daniel chapter seven, these are prophetic promises. And there's like probably literally a hundred or 200 of these things in the Old Testament. So we're going to be bumping into these all over the place as we preach different Old Testament passages. Jesus fulfills all these prophetic promises. They are all yes in Jesus. Let, I just going to mention, you, you know, talk about prophetic promises, and I'm thinking of the New Testament writers, especially the, the four Gospels. Matthew has the fulfillment passages where he's pointing back to the Old Testament. I recently preached from John 19 and multiple times in, in the, the crucifixion narrative there. They're dividing garments. That's a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus cries out, I'm thirsty, fulfillment of Psalm 69. His bones aren't broken. He's pierced, fulfillment of Zechariah 12.10. He's the pierced one. And so all these Old Testament passages are pointing towards Christ. He's fulfilling those passages. And it's neat to see that the New Testament writers are affirming exactly what you're teaching here. Yes, that's exactly right. And the New Testament is super helpful in all of these different ways of seeing Christ fulfill the Old Testament. When you've got a New Testament cross-reference, you know, either a quotation or an allusion, and that's like, for a preacher, that's like finding money on the ground. I mean, that's like, this is awesome. This is so helpful because you know you're handling the Old Testament text correctly when you have that New Testament validation. But, you know, moving on, there's other, yeah, there's other ways that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Another way is through what I call ethical instruction. And this is a way that I overlooked inadvertently for years. But, you know, there's ethical instructions to God's people all over the Old Testament, but especially in the law and especially in wisdom, like proverbial wisdom or Ecclesiastes and so forth. What I overlooked for years is that Jesus is the law keeper and that Jesus is the wise man. In other words, you know, whatever we're reading there in the Old Testament law or in Old Testament wisdom, Jesus read that and Jesus took that in by faith and it shaped the way he thought and it shaped his decision making and it shaped his conversations and teaching and you know, most fundamentally, it shaped his own lifestyle, the way he lived his life faithfully before God. He did so in fulfillment of the law and in fulfillment of wisdom. So that's a way that I just overlooked for years. It was just right there in plain sight. And I guess that's why I overlooked it. But, hmm. you know, anytime that you're reading law in the Old Testament, you can see or know that Jesus embodied that. Or anytime you're in wisdom literature, anytime there's ethical instruction to God's people in the text, Jesus fulfilled that. He obeyed that. He faithfully walked in that. And that can be some really fruitful preaching points, you know, in your sermon as, as you're in that part of the Old Testament. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. A third way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament is through fallen humanity. And basically what I mean by that is that anytime the main point of your text is focused on the effects of the fall, our fallen lives in a fallen world, it shows us our need for Jesus. I know your listeners are probably familiar with Brian Chappell's book, Christ-Centered Preaching. This is the primary way Chappell recommends preaching Christ from the Old Testament. He called it the fallen condition focus. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here as I talk about fallen humanity. You know, if there is an effect of the fall as the main focus of your Old Testament text, 
then you've got an easy way to see fulfillment in Jesus. You know, this is why Jesus came. <laughs> this is why we need a Savior. You know, Jesus would have read those texts, hmm. and he would have felt the burden of his mission to go to the cross as he sees all of these instances of fallenness and disobedience and unfaithfulness and pain and suffering, just every bit of that that we see in the Old Testament. This is why we need a Savior. This is why Jesus came into the world. He fulfills all of this in the sense that he dies on the cross, bearing the curse for us, and rises triumphantly so that we might be free of the curse and reconciled to God. Praise the Lord. So a fourth way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament is through topological revelation, typology. Now, Jared, I'm sure uh, you can give us a 10-second definition of typology, right? (laughs) Man, maybe off the top of my head, a person, place, institution, that there's a pattern, culmination, or escalation, and then obviously fulfilled in Christ. So the historical correspondence, I'm trying to pull it off the top of my head and remember all the elements. I know there's historical correspondence, there's escalation, it's fulfilled in Christ, and it's typically a person, place, event, or institution that points towards Christ. Something along those lines. Oh my goodness, you did it. I mean, that is so impressive. I asked a professor and I got a great answer. Yeah, so this is what typology is. It wasn't that long ago, like I, I looked at the the definition in BDAG of a type, and I loved like the literal meaning of type is like an imprint or an impression. Hmm. You know, like if you were to you know, have a rock stuck in the ground and you pull that rock out, there's an imprint or an impression in the ground. And that is a literal meaning of the word type. Well, you know, the figurative meaning, the way that we're using it as far as typology, is that that God has imprinted or impressed certain persons, events, or institutions in the Old Testament into the shape of Christ. And what I mean by that is, As we look at that person or that event or that institution, we're seeing the shape of how Christ is going to fulfill his ministry. There's something about that type that's going to come to fulfillment in Jesus. And to use Paul's word, this is to change the metaphor here, but I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 17, where he talks about types as a shadow. A type is a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. Hmm. So in certain Old Testament people or events or institutions, we see a shadowy shape of what the Christ is going to be like. But then when the Christ comes, now we have the body that casts that shadow. We have the substance of the shadow. And that touches on what you said about escalation. You know, there's always that escalation into fulfillment. You know, the, the fulfillment of that type is always what the type was pointing to in its fullness. So, I mean, one of the things I would say about typology is that following Jesus' lead, the apostles read a lot of the Old Testament typologically. That is, they see these patterns and pictures, these shadows of Jesus in a lot of places, and we don't need to be afraid to follow their lead in this. You know, they saw typology in Adam, in the sacrifices, in circumcision, in the dietary laws, in Melchizedek, and Moses, and David, and Solomon. Even Israel as a nation is looked at typologically. The priesthood is a type. The temple is a type. There's a lot of typology in the Old Testament. 
And we don't need to be afraid to follow the lead of Jesus and the apostles in understanding the Old Testament this way. Now, there is a caution here that I think is very important. We need to have some sort of biblical warrant for seeing typology. Uh, Typology is not supposed to be an exercise in free association or just creative imagination. No, there needs to be something in the text that indicates, oh, God actually meant for this to be seen as a type. This is designed by God to foreshadow what would come to fulfillment in Jesus. So that's where patterns are important and linguistic connections and cross-references from the New Testament. You know, the more biblical warrant that we have to see a type, you know, the higher our confidence that we're handling that Old Testament text correctly. Right. Yes, that's a, that's a good word. So, yeah, so continuing on, a fifth way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament is through narrative progression. And what I mean by this is that you know, the Bible is one big story. You know, we can think of the Old Testament as having just a lot of little stories, and there are a lot of little stories, but... What we don't need to miss is that all those little stories are connected to the big story. And we need, therefore, to interpret each of these Old Testament stories in light of the big story that God is telling, the story of redemption in Jesus Christ. And if we'll see the Bible as a whole that way, then we come to those fascinating and engaging stories in the Old Testament. You know, we won't just teach them as, you know, principles for life or, you know, just morality tales, but instead we'll be trying to understand how this is the backstory to Jesus coming into the world. And usually, like every good story, the Old Testament works through what I call threat and resolution. We see that pattern of, you know, the threat to God's redemptive promises in most of these Old Testament stories. Like if this threat is not resolved, then that's going to impact God's faithfulness to keep his promises to bring a savior into the world. Just to give a couple of examples, I think of there is barrenness. You know, how is God going to promise? How is he going to fulfill his promise to send a ruler when Abraham's wife is barren? Or I think of Israel's rulers. You know, how is God going to fulfill his promise to send a king into the world when the judges and kings of Israel are dishonorable and disobedient? Or the book of Esther, for example, Haman. Is plotting genocide. He's gonna. He's threatening to wipe out God's people. Now, how is God going to fulfill His promise, all of His redemptive promises, if the Jews are gone? Now, there's got to be a resolution, and it's when we understand all of these stories, not just in isolation, but in the context of the big story of the Bible, that we begin to see how they all function as the backstory to Jesus, and how Jesus is going to be the fulfillment of where all these stories were leading us. Yeah, I think that's the way we naturally read stories anyways, and it's a, a danger if you read an individual component of the narrative of Scripture divorced from this meta-narrative of God's redemptive work in Christ. I'm, I'm currently reading The Hobbit to, to my daughter, who's 10, and it, it would be silly for me to open up, and uh, we're, they're in Mirkwood Forest right now. They just escaped from the spiders, but it'd be crazy for me to read the spider narrative and draw out all these implications and focus on that one narrative to the exclusion of this larger journey where they're on on their way back to Battle Smaug and recapture the mountain. And so 
I think we want to take that same instinct of not atomizing or isolating individual sub-stories from the larger narrative in which they're located. And so I think that applies to, to what you're talking about here, narrative progression, and seeing individual narratives in light of the larger narrative of Scripture. Yeah, that is an excellent illustration. Yeah, we need to interpret each story as the backstory, the big story. Hmm. The last way that I would mention Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament is what I call theological theme. And there's all kinds of themes that we run across theologically in the Old Testament. Holiness, sin, righteousness, faith, justice, judgment, wrath, mercy, love, holiness, curse, blessing, pride, humility, election, substitution. Well, you know, every one of these things has to do with an act or an attribute of God. And so what they're doing is they're preparing us for the one who's going to come into the world and embody God in the flesh. In other words, they're preparing us to understand Jesus, his person and his work. You know, just to give one example, I love the passage from Psalm 103 about forgiveness, you know, that God doesn't deal with us according to our sins, repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Well, if I'm preaching Psalm 103, or you know, one of our listeners is preaching Psalm 103, and we, we extol the awesome truth of God's forgiveness, but we don't do it in light of Christ, we've not preached it right. You know, this theme of forgiveness in the Old Testament, it comes to fulfillment in the one who actually secured that forgiveness for us through his death and resurrection. You know, we can't offer anybody forgiveness apart from Jesus Christ today. Yep. It's through Christ that we are forgiven. So that's just one example, but really all these theological themes in the Old Testament work that way. They come to their focused fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus himself. And that's a great way to preach Jesus. Yeah, all, all six of these ways, I think, are, are legitimate ways to preach Christ. They're all helpful. If you're listening, if you will if you will take heed to what Dr. King is saying and begin to, to move down these avenues towards Christ, I think you'll find yourself naturally and faithfully preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Again, these are explained in detail in your book, Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved. You also talk about applying sermons in Christ-centered ways, the benefits of preaching Christ, pitfalls to avoid. And so again, listeners want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this book. Dr. King, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Preaching and Preachers. I want to close with Paul's reflections on his preaching ministry from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. He says, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.